Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. One of the glories of the liturgical calendar is it reminds us over and over again of the great truths of salvation history. We have now entered into Advent. It's the period of expectation. Uh, We will focus, of course, on the Lord's return, but also, of course, on what's uh, presupposed in his return, and that is, of course, his first coming. Uh, with me right now is Monsignor Charles Pope. He's pastor of Holy Comforter, St. Cyprian Parish in Washington, D.C. He publishes a daily blog uh, at the Archdiocese of Washington website. He's written uh, in pastoral journals, conducted numerous retreats for priests and the lay faithful, has conducted weekly Bible studies in the U.S. Congress and the White House. He was named Monsignor in 2005, and you can follow his work at... Uh, blog.adw.org. That's blog.adw.org. Good to have you with me, Monsignor. Thank you. Good to be here. So we're into Advent once again, and uh, what do you think is the key word for Advent? What's the concept to keep in mind uh, throughout the four weeks? Well, ultimately, prepare. Yeah. <laughs> now, of course, the other idea was that the very word Advent means coming, but prepare for his coming. And the first coming has been fulfilled, as you point out, but uh, it's, it's really the second coming that pre- preoccupies us, at least in the earlier weeks of Lent, I mean, of Advent, you know. Yes, and so I think for for many of us, we're comfortable <laughs> with the incarnation, the, uh, the uh, mm-hmm. virginal conception, the birth of Jesus, the miracles, the resurrection, the ascension, Pentecost. Mm -hmm. The return, though, seems spectral Mm -hmm. and distant by comparison. It's been Mm -hmm. 2,000 years after all. Yeah. And, you know, the the gospel for yesterday's Mass, uh, the Lord was was quite uh, urgent about, you know, you got to wake up, man, and... You know, they were they were eating and drinking and getting married. And As stuff, it right was in the days of Noah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then suddenly, you know, he went in the ark and the floodwaters came. And two, are, you know, he says it'll be that way now. Two are in the field; one will be taken, the other will be left. I mean, the Lord's saying, you know, you gotta, you gotta stay sober about that. I don't care if it's you know for God, a thousand years is like a watch in the night. Yes. So it's just been a few hours for God. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I think that is it. You have to keep that in mind, don't you? That it mm-hmm. really is. Uh, a very, uh, very different perspective uh, on mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you do you see Advent um, again with the expectation of the Lord's return? How does that tie into the expectation of you might say His return in our own personal death? Yeah, because you know either we're going, He's coming to us, or we're going to Him. Yeah, yeah. and. <laughs> Either way, the result is going to be the same. One is the personal judgment that we'll have, and the other is a more general judgment. But, but I, I would simply say that um, it's, it's a day to be sober about and ready for. And you know, too many people have, um, Al, I think, have just t- sort of tamed Jesus. They've they turned him into kind of a harmless hippie, and he went around saying pleasantries and healing people. Yeah. And, well, that's nice, but uh, he also said some very uh, sobering, tough things, and he had an urgency that many of us lack today. Yeah. Yeah, that urgency, that accountability really does uh, put him in a, a different category than just your uh, religious teacher who gives us a few nice instructions for how to live a better life. Yeah. Um, you point out in, in your writing on this, uh, the homily for the first Sunday of Advent, wake up. Uh, what does it mean to wake up? 
Yeah, I'm using the text that we had yesterday's Mass from, from Romans 13. So St. Paul says, you know, you know the time. It's now the hour for you to wake from sleep. Our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is far advanced, the day is at hand. So we've got to cast off all the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. So th- this is what uh, I was tapping into there. And, you know, wake up here, I think, means, first of all, for a lot of us, um, you know, when we're asleep, we're unaware of what's going on around us. And so the first call is to become more aware. And, you know, um, if we're not careful, we focus on all the dreamy stuff of the world. The, what the Lord wants us to wake up to, do you understand you're in a great battle? Yeah between good and evil, you know, you've got to wake up and see that. And it's responsible for most of the casualties that you see around you. Uh, Satan and his minions are about, but so, so are the angels. And you, you're gonna, you need sacraments, you need the proper armor, you need to wake up and realize you really are in a battle. Yeah. And you can't just have another drink or see what's on TV. This is time to wake up and be sober about that. You know? Yeah, yeah. It is interesting, isn't it? Waking up means that many of us are sleeping. <laughs> yeah, I think spiritually and morally, a yeah. lot of people are just kind of sleeping. And even even as our culture gets increasingly poisonous and insane, uh, still people are like, well, you know, it's okay. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm still getting my paycheck, and you know, and again, this is the dreamy kind of stuff that um, that I think we engage in. Um, so the idea of waking up is to you know, become alert about the world, what's really going on around you, according to what Scripture says. You know, Scripture is a prophetic interpretation of reality. And um, it's telling us what's really going on, you know, mm-hmm. and we're all focused on, we're majoring in all the minors very often, you know, about politics and, yeah. and world. now look, there are things to attend to in the world, but sure. at the end of the day, they all need to be tucked under the, uh, the main goal, which is that I want to die loving God and my neighbor right. so I can go home and be with him. Yeah, that's, that's the life project. Uh, yeah. Uh, when people wake up and the, the sun hits them, uh, they want to clean up <laughs> because right, yeah. they realize uh, <laughs> they're not quite uh, in, in proper condition. So tell right. us about cleaning up. Yeah, so as I say, I'm again tapping into the, the Paul's letter to the Romans here. He says, not to conduct ourselves in orgies, promiscuity, lust, and to make no provision for the desires of the flesh. So he focuses in there on sexual sins, which are a huge problem today. And we've got to be more clear about that as a church and as individuals, that you know, there's just no room for, in, in our lives for fornication, adultery, pornography, homosexual acts. There's just no place for these things. Um, and uh, we, the only place for sexual intimacy is inside of biblical marriage yeah. just got to be really clear now on the other hand we don't want to just as, although paul is focusing on those maybe that isn't a, an issue that uh, one of some of our listeners are dealing with right. hopefully mm-hmm. it isn't <laughs> but, but at the end of the day maybe there's other things i need to look I need to look at my anger i need to look, what am i doing about that i need to look at you know my my greed am i do i need to be more generous to the poor there, there could be any number of things that we want to look to our moral condition and kind of clean up yeah you know, I, dealing with uh, younger people who are dealing with sexual sin, um, it's always been what I've always found it hard to figure out how to make it absolutely clear mm-hmm. what the Lord teaches, and at the same time, yeah. let the, especially uh, adolescents and going into their twenties, unmarried mm-hmm. men, let them know that they aren't ultimately defined by their falling short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
What's, how do you handle that? You, I mean, know, you, I, you hear this all the time in confessions, yeah, so I'm sure you know how to do yeah. it. No, I, I remind a, a lot of them, and also in the pulpit even, you know, that, look, some of these sins are committed in weakness rather right. than in malice. Right. And I think the most severe condemnations come upon those who just shake their fist. I will not be told what to do. There's yeah. nothing wrong with this. And so say, at least you're here, and you see that there's something wrong, right. and this, right. there's a beauty in this, and the Lord wants to work with you. And, you know, so this is, a, this is where I, I try to remind people sins. It's a sin of weakness more than malice. But on the other hand, you know, it's something to take seriously. Yep. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, waking up, uh, then you really <laughs> need, you got to clean up, and then you say sober up. <laughs> That's right. Paul says not to conduct ourselves in drunkenness. And of course, certainly we all know what physical drunkenness involves, you know, and how it makes our mind fuzzy. And and it clearly, um, it's simple drunkenness is to be avoided. But I think here to spiritualize it, you know, too many of us are drunk on the things of the world. Our, our minds are filled with stinking thinking. Yeah. And we're yeah. not focused. And, you know, the real battleground, you know, Al, is, is not just the, it's not really the flesh. It's, it's our minds. Yes. And um, so, you know, there's so many appeals to setting our minds on the things above rather than the things below. Uh, for example, in, you know, Romans 12, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by Amen. the renewal of your mind. Yeah. Or, one of my favorite ones is from Ephesians 4, where he says, I affirm and testify, you must no longer live like the pagans in the futility of their minds, yes. darkened in understanding and alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. So we're, we're told, you know, that's not the way we're to be living. And yet, most people spend all kinds of time watching 24-7 news or being filled with the, you know, secular culture and almost no time with the Word of God. Yeah. And um, this is a call, if you will, to sober up, to clear our minds from the inebriating things of the world that make us drunk on, in the passing world and keep keep our eyes fit for wisdom. Sophronius, you know, that, a mind that's fit for wisdom, a sober mind. Yeah. Lighten up is the next recipe, <laughs> in the recipe you've got for us. You know, again, St. Paul says, you know, you're all focused on factions, rivalries, jealousies. He says, skip oh, all yes. that. Wow. And this, this anger in our culture today is really, you know, there are serious things that are dividing us. But, you know, I mean, we're just on a tripwire. People are so easily offended. And what is it, what's the word triggered? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, why are you so easily triggered? You know, <laughs> why, yeah. can't you, yeah. why, can't, why can't you hear an opposing an opinion occasionally? Um, why do you need a safe zone? Come on, come on, lighten up a little. Have some yeah. humility and don't believe everything you think. <laughs> <laughs> At least investigate the possibility you might need to stay in a longer conversation with people in order to win them to Christ or, you know, and so on. So yeah, these are the things. Yeah, and even within the, within the church right now, there are all kinds oh, of factions yeah. developing. Yeah, yeah, serious. It's very serious. Um, and then you say dress up, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Tell yeah. us about that whole action of yeah. uh, conformity to Christ, uh, yeah. reproducing <clears throat> his life in us. You know, frequently in the scriptures, there is this image of a garment. Um, you know, in, it's in the book of Revelation. It was given to the bride to wear to wear a beautiful garment, and the, the, the garment is the righteousness of the saints. And likewise, you know, there was a parable about the wedding garment and so on. All of these are there just remind us that the Lord wants to clothe us in his holiness and clothe us in his righteousness. And he's offering us, if you will, this, this great gift of being just clothed in his magnificent beauty and holiness and grace. And so we want to therefore eagerly then accept this from the Lord 
Lord and let him go to work and begin to clothe us and get us get us all gussied up so so to speak uh for heaven. So this is is this the equivalent of St. Paul saying I've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live? Yes, it's no longer I who live but Christ living yeah. in me. Amen. You've got a, a in in your uh writing on this uh first Sunday of Advent, you've mm-hmm. got a great line uh the moral life is not imposed, it is mm-hmm. imparted. Yeah. And I think this really speaks about the importance of grace in our lives. Could you yeah. elaborate a little bit? Yeah, you know, so often we, we turn the moral uh, vision of the Gospels into this long list of things I've got to do somehow out of my own flesh power, and oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed. And so, no, 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 this is, uh, the, the salvation, if you will, is, is, uh, is received and... Um, it's, it's, it's a way of uh, just saying that, again, we, uh, we, we, we want to say that it's a gift. The moral life is God's gift to us. It's not a, you better do this or else. It's not simply a threatening thing. Now, if that's all you got, that kind of fear, go with it, all right? <laughs> but, but, but what you want to do is eagerly run to the Lord and say, wow, you mean you could, you could actually give me the gift to live more chastely, be more kind, less angry? Lord, I'm, I want that gift. And the Lord's offering it as a gift to us. Amen. Monsignor, thank you so much for getting us off to a good beginning for Advent and uh, wonderful talking with you again. Thank you. Thank you. Monsignor Charles Pope, you can follow him at uh, blog.adw.org. We have it uh, linked at our site as well.